Welcome to our Killick Explains Finance podcast series. This first set of 10 podcasts introduces all the basic concepts of saving and investing. It's designed for novices and more experienced savers and investors alike, and it will hopefully be jargon-free and easy to listen to. If you'd like to see any of the videos that link to these podcasts, please go to killick.com forward slash learn. Welcome to this Killick Explains Finance podcast. This week, two vital words for investors opportunity cost. So in we go. The bottom line is this. What we tend to do, it's a human thing, it's natural enough, is focus on and justify the decision we have made. Now this could be non-financial or financial, you'll see what I mean in a moment. We ignore the cost of not taking alternatives sometimes and that is the hidden opportunity cost. In other words, before making a decision, it's important to identify all of what I call the obvious costs and the less obvious costs so you've got a full picture of what I'd call the costs and benefits of going for a particular option over another. Now, the easiest way to proceed is with examples here. So, for example, do you want to go to university or not? Or perhaps you've got sons and daughters trying to weigh it up. Should we go or not? Now, on a financial basis, what a lot of people will do is weigh up the costs they can see. So, they'll take account of tuition costs and living costs and say, well, over three years, over four years in some cases, how much is that going to come to? And worry about how it's all going to be funded, student loans, not student loans, and so on. But what about the three to four years of potentially lost earnings whilst you or they are studying? Now, that's harder to quantify. However, it is part of the cost of going to university. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you shouldn't go to university. But people tend to focus on the costs that are most obvious to them and not think about, well, what else could I be doing with my time? And how much would that be worth if I was out there working, doing an apprenticeship, or so on? So that's what I mean by making sure you factored in the opportunity cost, the other thing you could be doing with your time and or money. Okay, let's bring it closer to home, investing, and you decide to keep your money in cash. So you're a bit worried, you think, I'm gonna go to cash. Fine, you generate a safe annual return, as you see it, of 1% per year interest rates being fairly low. And that might make you feel quite cosy and warm, but what about the return you could have earned if your money was somewhere else? Now, I'm not saying this is gonna make you move your money somewhere else, but you need to factor in the opportunity cost of staying in cash, and that's quite important. Otherwise, you can shortchange yourself. So how safe is cash? Well, I've covered some of this ground before, but if you were to look at the purchasing power of 100 pounds, that is the ability to actually buy stuff between, say, the mid-1970s and today, 100 pounds has shrunk to around 10 pounds in terms of what it would buy over that period. Why? Because of inflation. So unfortunately, because interest rates often don't keep pace with inflation, your money, safe though it might appear to be, sitting in the bank, for example, is actually losing ability to buy goods and services. Now, if we look at real returns between, say, 1965 and 2015, what we find is, for that reason, cash tends to lag other asset classes such as government IOUs, gilts, and shares. So according to the Barclays Equity Gilt Study of 2015, for example, and noting that the past is not a guarantee of future performance, shares over the 1965 to 2015 period have managed an annual real return of around 5.5%, whereas cash, just over 1%. And that's important. So there is an opportunity cost, potentially, to sitting in cash, even allowing for the caveat that the past is no necessary guarantee guide to the future. Now, how risky are shares, therefore, next to cash, is an important question for long-term investors, looking at the overall return they can earn and whether there'll be inflation. 
If we were to take a look at, say, the FTSE all share on an inflation-adjusted basis versus cash on an inflation-adjusted basis, we get a similar picture from the early 1970s through to today. What you'll find is the value of cash in real terms has been whittled away by inflation, whereas shares have not only maintained, but have increased their purchasing power over that time. So, decisions to stay in cash need to factor in the opportunity cost, what you could have earned if you were elsewhere. And that's important. Now, how do you put this all together in one investing framework? Well, here's a quick suggestion. There's much more detail you could know. I'll leave that to other podcasts. So where should my money be? Here's some food for thought. Short-term, rainy day funds should mainly be in cash or something similar to cash. Medium-term milestone funds, these are targets where I'm going to need to pull my money out within, let's say, the next five to seven years, mainly IOUs, bonds, for example. And then lifetime savings. This is stuff that's being put away for the long term. A lot of that you'll want to keep in shares. Why? Because you want to minimise, if you like, the opportunity cost. Shares have shown historically they stand a better chance of increasing your wealth in real terms than either IOUs in the form of bonds or cash accounts. Don't forget the rules. If you are saving in shares, there are lots of rules to obey. One is don't panic sell when the market drops, and the other is don't force yourself to sell because you need to liquidate shares to meet a cash call. So, in conclusion then, a financial decision needs to factor in all the costs and benefits of the alternatives. So any decision you make is effectively active. Even if you're going to stay in cash for a while, factor in the potential cost in terms of the returns you could have earned elsewhere when doing so. Any questions? Editor at killick.com. And to watch a video on this topic, please go to killick.com forward slash learn. This podcast does not purport to explain all aspects of this topic in detail, and Killick & Co. accepts no liability for any reliance placed or investment decisions made from it. Killick & Co. is a trading name of Killick & Co. LLP, who are authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. Further details are available on our website, www.killick.com.